Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Everybody's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Few people are, right? So we want to welcome all of our campuses, Appleton Campus, Brookfield Campus, Milwaukee Campus, Germantown Campus online. Can we give a big welcome just to everybody? I just was, uh, I've been traveling this past uh, seven, eight days. I've been like in four Asian countries and I was meeting with one pastor and 17 campuses, excuse me, 19 campuses in 17 different countries. And I'm like, how do you do that? And uh, which makes, makes like an online and four campuses in four counties in Wisconsin seem like we're not doing enough, you know. So it's just like, anyhow, it's pretty amazing. But, uh, but wherever you're connecting with us from today, wherever you're joining us, even if you're watching this online and this is sometime during the week and you're on the treadmill at the gym, I think today's going to be a message that's going to be inspiring and hopefully will kind of get in your kitchen a little bit. So just look at your neighbor and just say, he's going to get in your kitchen. Just, it's going to make sense in a minute. He's going to get in your kitchen. Go ahead and tell him because some people don't like that, right? You know those people in church like, I shall not be moved. That old song, just like a tree planted by the water, like, nope, he's not going to move me. I'm going to get all up in your grill today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to Matthew chapter 7. We're in this series called The Mind of Christ, and I want to talk today about living with no limits, Limit, living with no limits. Now, again, I, I, I'm 52, um, and, uh, and in my time on the planet, I've learned a couple of things. First of all, life is hard. My dad told me that. I didn't, I didn't agree, and uh, I've learned that to be true. So life is not always easy. Uh, you know, if you're going to have anything in this world, if you're going to accomplish anything, it's it's going to be, you're, you're, you're going to work. You're, you're going to have to lean. It, it's, it's not easy. Um, uh, sometimes I think, especially we think, man, if we're just following Jesus, it's just going to be easy. I think it's further from the truth. Um, he walks with you. He's not a bridge over troubled water. That's a great song, but he walks, the Bible says, with you through the troubled waters. Um, it's not pain-free. You're going to have trouble in this world. Um, but the one thing I want to say to you today, if you don't hear anything else that I say, and that's this, that winning, overcoming is optional. If you want to be a victim your whole life, you can do that. If you want to sit and wallow in the muck and in the mire, you can do that. If you want to play the blame game, if it's easier for you, for your conscious level to go through and just go, I, it, not, not me, one, two, three, not it. Remember that game? right? If that's easier for you to mentally get through, you, you can do that. But if you want to win, whatever that means to you, if you want to overcome, whatever that means to you, if you want to be a victor and not a victim, then that's the way of the cross. That's the way to follow Jesus. And so many times we live so far beneath what our level and our opportunity is as Christ followers. And God has this way for us to go that doesn't feel always easy, that doesn't feel pain-free, that's hard sometimes. The Bible says that narrow is is the road and rough is the road and few that find it that that leads to eternal life. 
So I'm not trying to tell you today that everything's going to be, you know, uh, rainbows and lollipops and it's always going to be great. And, and, and this is not one of those like you're never going to have any problems because I think theologically, if you have a theology of prosperity, which I believe the Bible teaches, you also have to have a theology of suffering, which the Bible also teaches. Jesus prospered, but he also suffered. But some of us in the church just like to suffer. And if that's what you want to do, you can go on with your bad self, right? I mean, that's fine. But if you want to overcome, Jesus didn't come that we just grueled through life and we just got through life and this is just horrible. Because again, if that's what it means to be a Christian, then what are we doing? But he came that we could have life and life to the full. But there is going to be trouble. He says it in John's Gospel, chapter 16. It's not on the screen, but John 16, the Bible says, he says, I tell you these things that you may have peace. Why? Because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. I remember, you know, early on, I graduated college. I'm, I'm, I'm youth pastoring. Times where I'd get frustrated with something or I'd be mad about something or I'd get in trouble because I did something stupid and I almost lost my job over more than one occasion. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. Let's just say this. Tammy got me out of more jams than I can, I can even remember. Uh, I, I think that people tolerated me and probably still do to this day, but they love Tammy. Amen. So, yeah, everybody's like, amen, yes, 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 yes. I get that, I'm, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm a benefactor of that. And I would call my, my, my dad. Now, my dad, factory worker, union arbitrator, like, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, I, I cut the lawn at the local UAW. We did family vacations at, at union retreats and places. I remember going to Black Lake, Michigan on two weeks because that's where they sent all the union presidents from the United Auto Workers across America. I mean, I grew up the whole deal. Met every Democratic presidential com uh, nominee that uh, from, from the time I was a kid that came through Arkansas, you know, you name it. Met the Clintons when I was eight, nine years of age. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. So my dad was this go, 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 life is hard, nobody cares, just stand in line, you know. So I'd call my old man, I'd just say, Dad, man, it's just really, and I would start telling this sob story about how hard life was and how difficult it was. Because I think I thought in my mind, I graduate college and, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm being a youth pastor, I'm doing what God's called me to do, it's, it's just going to kind of all fall into place, right? I mean, I'm going to be the second coming of Billy Graham, if you really want to know. <laughs> like, they're just going to go, wow, this kid has such a gift. And I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say, yeah, there's a gift there, amen. <laughs> Again, thank God for Tammy, amen. So, I, and he would always say this to me, which would make me so mad, oh. He goes, well, they're always hiring at the factory. <laughs> if it gets too hard on you out there in ministry world, that preacher world gets too difficult. If that church world just gets too difficult, you can always come here and come back home, live with mom and dad, which is like, that's the last thing I'm going to do, right? <laughs> it like, it just fueled my fire to go, no thanks, I'm good. Thanks, dad, love you. And that was it. We have a choice. When life gets hard, we have we, we're going to face difficulties. We have an opportunity if we want to be the victim or the victor. If, if, if life is happening 
to us and against us or if we're pressing through. There is this mind of Christ. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. It's a Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to read the whole sermon because it's multiple chapters. It's the most... uh, how do you say? It, it's, it's the most full, complete sermon teaching that Jesus gave that we have. It's very interesting. When you think about, like most preachers, pastors, they've got all these sermons and all these messages. But this is the only, we have bits and pieces of teaching. We have interactions with teachings. We have parts of conversation. But this is the most exhaustive teaching And part of it is Matthew was an accountant by trade. Therefore, he was meticulous about details, and he's writing all of these things out. And in the middle of this message, Jesus drops this how to live this limitless life. And chapter 7, verse 7 of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Verse 9. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Now, anytime you see redundancy in Scripture, anytime things are spoken in threes, ask, seek, knock, it's a redundancy, you see something. It, it's the way the writer, it's the way the speaker, it's the way the, the Bible is trying to catch your attention. It's like, hey, McFly, look right here. Like, this is a highlighted part. Like, don't miss this. Anytime something, we, theologically, this is true of whether it's Protestant or Catholic, any, any doctrine in Scripture has to be found three places in Scripture. It cannot be a one-off. If it's a one-off, it means that God can do it, but it doesn't mean that you build a doctrine upon it. But you only build doctrine upon things that you can find at least three times recorded in Scripture that's substantiated by scholarship. So anytime I see something in Scripture where I go, it's repetitive, it's redundant, it's saying somewhat the same thing but in a different way. And, and again, the Greek and the Hebrew languages are different than, than English because English is very one-dimensional in, 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 in its meanings for the most part, except when it comes to slang and cultural slang. But Greek and Hebrew, this had been Greek, it's the way it would have originally been written, there are nuances, there are layers, there, there's depth to it that's more than just one-dimensional. It's kind of like a four-dimensional chess game here. And so when you see this, it's trying to catch your attention. Jesus is not just saying, hey, flippantly, if there's something on your mind, just ask God and he'll show up. Hey, if you need something, just ask the Father. Hey, you know what? God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. If you need something, just, you know, just, just send up a prayer and he'll, no, 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 no. He's very declarative. These are all declarative statements. They're not interrogatives. There's no question to this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Just in case you didn't get it in verse 7. Verse 8, he says it again. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks, it will be opened. I mean, he's repeating to you and then gives the illustration that if a child were to ask his father for a fish, would he give him a stone? No. No, no, no loving father, how much more 
will the Lord take care of you and give to you who loves you so much? So ask him for good things. Ask him for good things. And so here, here's what I want you to catch today. If, if, if you want to live a life with no limits, you're going to have to change your thinking. Again, this goes back to the mind of Christ. This is counterintuitive to who we are. And, and I want to say something before I get in and I kind of give you these three simple points that are right here from Scripture. And that's this. In the Western world, in America especially, and I see this every time I travel abroad, we live so far below what God's word says that we can have. We treat the word of God so flippantly, I, I do as well, so lightly, that it, I just wonder, what would it look like if we literally just took this book and go, I'm just going to live it out. And I'm just going to take it at face value. And when he says, ask and seek and knock, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to push my experience to the side. I'm going to push what anybody else says to the side. And I'm going to just simply do this, and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. And I know, I hear this all the time, in the upper Midwest, we don't care what people think. We're, yes, you do, because we're in church. Do I lift my hands? I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look weird. I don't want to, do, 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 do I carry a Bible to church? I don't know, is that too religious, fanatic, whatever? Do I tell people that I go to church because then people are going to think I'm crazy? You, you, we all care. Instead of just stopping and going, no, I don't care. What you think or you think or you think, I'm not living for your applause or your applause. I'm not living for your affirmation or for you. No, no, no. I'm going to live for the audience of one. And here's what's interesting to me. I landed this past week, and it always hits me. And it was the, it was the, it was the Muslim call to prayer when I hit the airport at that particular time. No problem. In the middle of the airport, huge international airport in Asia, People have their mats out, their rugs out, they're facing towards Mecca, they're doing their prayers, their chants, their incantations, the whole deal, burning incense, have no clue, no care what anybody else thinks. And I just thought, you know what? If we in America, as Christians and as Christ followers, just had that level of reckless abandonment towards, towards a God who is alive and well and not one who is dead and has been forgotten... How much more could we change the world in which we live? Because they don't care what I think. They don't care what I believe. They know that they are, feel like they're living for their God, whomever that might be. And we have the true and the living God. I know I'm a little excited this morning, but I think you're going to catch this because I'm going to get all up in your kitchen, all right? So this is how I think we should go at this. This is the youth pastor coming out at me. Number one, if you're going to live life with no limits, ask audaciously. Ask audaciously. Ask audaciously. When was the last time you got in the presence of God and you said, God, this is what I need. This is it. Right here, Lord. You said, ask. I'm asking. I'm asking a bold prayer. Verse 7, it says, ask and it will be given unto you. You see, the size of God's actions many times are directly correlated and directly connected to the size of our asks. If we ask big, then God acts big. If we ask small, then God acts small. I wonder if there's just times in our life where we could see God do abundantly and exceedingly above all we think or ask, if we would just ask. Just want to ask. 
Hey, maybe, maybe your dream is no one in my family's ever gone to college and I want to go to college and I want to graduate. Maybe your dream is I want to start this business and this is a field that's new that a lot of people don't know a whole lot about, but this is, I, 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 I want to go and, and I have a heart to want to plant a church and, and want to go do this or, or I want to be a missionary here or this is what I want to do or I have a dream that I, I want to be a, a businessman or a businesswoman that will create wealth because... Again, Romans chapter 12 says that there are those of us that have the ability to create wealth for the gift of giving. It's not given for us, it's given for the kingdom. And I want to do something. I want to create wealth in such a way that not only blesses me and my family for generations to come, but I want to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ask. Ask. And I can hear somebody go, well, I've asked God before, and... And, and it doesn't always happen. Well, what happens when the response is no? It's kind of like a child to the parent. Then it's because there's something better in store. There's times that we ask God to do something. And it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen. And it's not because God is not wanting to bless us. It's because what we're asking for is really not in our best interest. It's really not in our best ability. It's kind of like as a parent, your kid asks you for something. You're like, no, no, this, this is not healthy for you right now. This is not good for you right now. I could grant this to you. I could give you this, but this will destroy you in the process. Sometimes when you ask, the timing is wrong, and God just simply says, wait, just slow down. Just slow down. There's a process. It's not no. It's just a process. Just, just slow down. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying we need to just wait. Just, just. And then sometimes it's like that's going to happen, but you're not ready for that to happen. Because the work, or excuse me, the weight of the blessing that you're asking for will crush the person that you are today. Because you have what you have because that's what you can handle. If you could handle that job, if you could handle that, God would open the door for that. Like and I'm sitting across from that pastor that they have 17 campuses, 19 campuses in 17 different countries. I just got alone with God and just went, man, Lord, I am living so far below what you've asked me to do. God, what do I need to change in me that I have vision for that, that I have faith for that, that I have a heart for that, that I, I have a desire? How, what has to happen? The mindset in that. I just think sometimes it's God's got to grow things and develop things in us. You see, we're never instructed not to ask God audaciously. Not one time in Scripture does Jesus say, whoa, 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 you're asking for too much. Well, slow your rolls there, disciples. Hey, 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 no, 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 no. Not one time does he ever correct them for asking for too much. He corrects them for asking for too little. Oh, you of little faith. Do you guys not get this? Remember he comes off the Mount of Transfiguration. He has Peter, James, and John, and they're up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And God shows up in the whole deal. And the rest of the disciples are down below, and they're getting their rear ends kicked by the other devils. That's exactly what it says. And, and, and he gets down, and Jesus is going, oh, oh, you of little faith. And he casts out the devils, deals with the problems, and moves on. It's like, do you guys not get this? You have power over every single thing, not because of you, but because of me and the Father that's in you. And you will do this and you will do greater works. And we read that and we preach that and we say amen. And then we go and we live this limited life. Why? Because we really don't believe. And what I want you to do today is say, what do you need to ask God audaciously for? What's the audacious? What's the big audacious thing that you need to say, God, I need you to do this. God, I'm asking for this. What's the impossible prayer that you're praying? 
And if you go, I don't know, that's the problem. That we don't ever ask. We don't ever sit there and go, God, I want to do this. I want to change the world here. I want to go here. And people say to me sometimes, well, man, why do you go? Why do you do? I sit at tables. I get around people that are so much bigger than me because I want to grow and I want to expand. Because when I stand before God, I want to know that I've served the purpose of God in my life and my generation. That's what the book of Acts says about the life of David. He served the purpose of God in his life and for his generation. I want to be able to say, God, I did what you called me to do, where you called me to do it, to the best of my ability. I wasn't perfect. I didn't do everything right, but I believed you for great things. I believed you for greater things. I believe this, and I'm going to ask audaciously. Secondly, thank you, Tammy. You and I are together on this. <laughs> Seek purposefully. Seek purposefully. Seek purposefully. Go back to verse 7. Seek and you will find. Period. No cap. Holla. It's jet lag. If I say anything bad today, it's just jet lag. I'm, I'm like 13 hours off. Seeking versus believing. There's this false dichotomy in Christianity that just says, well, I just need to believe. And once I believe in Jesus, then I quit seeking. Yeah, you quit seeking for who, who the Christ is, who God is, because you believe in him. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I am saved. But I don't just believe in Jesus and then I automatically I arrive. That's just the beginning point. That's just the entry part to the race. As believers, we're called, we're never called to stop seeking, seeking, seeking. I, I, I believing alone isn't ultimately what changes your life. It's seeking. It, it's, it's, what, what's, it's, it's, not, it's, it's a growth line, not a timeline. It's, it's not about retirement. It, it's about a calling. And, 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 the, and the thing is, is what are you seeking God for? What's the thing that you're wrestling with the Lord about? What's the thing that you're trying to understand? What's the thing that you go, I got this inside of me, but I'm trying to figure out, God, how do you want to fulfill this? I, I had this desire, but how do I do this? Lord, I know there's something. I know there's something more. I just don't know exactly how to, but I'm on this journey and I'm seeking and I'm looking. And you go, practically, what does that look for? That means I'm in God's word. And I'm just, and I'm walking, and I'm reading through scripture through the lens of I'm trying to purposefully seek this out. God, how do I do this? How do I get here? How do we make this happen? I, 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 I'm in prayer and I'm processing going, God, if there's something to me that needs to change, God, if there's something to me that needs to be done different, Lord, change me, do whatever you need to do. I put myself on the potter's wheel, mold me, shape me, break me, break me down and rebuild me. Do what you want to do, but I'm seeking this out. I am not giving up. I'm not letting up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put up or shut up or let up until, until I prayed up, until I've gotten this thing where I need to go. Lord, there's something inside of me that I want to see this happen. I want to see this become accomplished. I want to see this happen in my life. I want to see this get over the line. I, God, grow and develop, and I don't know how to get there. I know where I want to get to. I feel like this is where you're asking of me, but I don't know how to get from where I am to there. So, God, you bring people into my life because the Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but from heaven above. Lord, you put me at places. You open the doors. You give me the opportunities. You set me in front of the people that I need to be in front of. So, Lord, until then, I'm going to read. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to write. I'm going to think. I'm going to process. I'm going to do whatever, I, but I am purposefully seeking. I am not letting up until I get the answer.
That's limitless thinking, limitless mindset. So I'm going to ask God for crazy things. And what I mean by crazy is I'm not asking God for a Bentley. I'm asking God, I mean, that's not bad, I guess, but, but I, I'm, not that I have a desire to have a Bentley, but, but I'm just saying like, but I'm asking God to do some crazy stuff. I'm asking God to do exceedingly abundantly. I'm asking God. This year, we're going to feed a million people in the city of Milwaukee. No, no, and I'm not saying this for applause. I'm just saying just, you just need to know. I, I, I've been lo- looking at, at properties. I, I, I've done this for years, looking at properties, because we need to be a food bank, not just a food pantry, in order to be able to service and minister to needs in the city of Milwaukee. So I'm going to buildings, and I'm talking to real estate people, and, and I've had people laugh at me. I've had people not show me buildings. Stand in line. I, I've had all kinds of rejection. You're just another person. Get out of my way. This is what we're going to do. And so at the end of the day, I'm, I am seeking, God, where is this place? Because there is a place that will allow us to be able to facilitate what God wants to do. Do I have the money? Absolutely not. I have no money. None. It's not my problem. What, what, what is pure and undefiled religion? Take care of the widows and the orphans. You know who the orphans are in our society? They're kids in foster care and their parents and single parents. They don't have the ability to take care of their kids. Who's supposed to be there? The government? No. You. Me. So, 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 uh, no, 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 I'm just saying, so I'm just saying, you know, like I wrestle with this and I'm going with this and I don't know the answers and I don't have the answers and I don't know how to do this. And, and, and I'm telling you, I've been told no more times than I've been told yes, but I'm just seeking, is it this? Is it that? How does this work? What do we do? Cause I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care how it happens. I don't care who pays for it. I, 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 I don't care if God gives me the money and I'm able to do it. Or if God speaks to you and I have to sit across the table from you and go, Hey man, I got good news. We got a building and the bad news is is you've got the money and I need it I'm okay I'm shameless because it's not helping me I mean you look at me I'm, I'm not missing any meals amen you know what I'm talking about I am warm and well fed baby I, I'm just but but this is so I, I don't know I still dream of a church that will reach thousands of people. We're still not scratching the surface and the thing that has made me so stinking mad in the last several years is COVID and I mean, I know what I'm saying is, is, is I, think, I think all of the little fans all left the church and the true followers are the people that showed up. That's you, amen. So I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir, I know. Let's get it on with ourselves. But, but it's like, I still believe in a church that will be multiple campuses in multiple counties that will reach tens and thousands of people that will make a difference. I believe in a day where millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year will be given to missions. I believe that we're going to literally change our world. I believe that there will be a generation of kids that will come up out of this church that will be businessmen and businesswomen that will dwarf everything we've done in the first 20 years. I believe what's happened in the first 20 years will be dwarfed by what will happen in the next 10 years. And I think you will see exponent until Jesus comes back. How does it happen? I don't know. That's why I seek. I just keep asking. God, I don't know. But this is what you put in my heart. This is where you put me. Right? If you put me in West Palm Beach, I'm praying the same prayer. Maybe it's a little nicer, but I'm, I'm there. Amen. <laughs> okay, I got to land the plane. What are you seeking God for? And the third thing is knock relentlessly. Knock relentlessly. Verse 7 says, knock and it will be opened. Erwin McManus says, every door you do not knock on becomes a wall. I refuse to let there be walls in my life. 
I refuse to let opportunities seal up on me. I refuse. It's over and over and over in scripture of men and women who refuse to stop knocking. Joseph, Joseph has this dream. And the dream was that his brothers would bow down to him. But the dream is not the destiny. See, God gives you dreams sometimes to do things and you think that's the destiny. That's not the destiny. The destiny, he will be a savior of the nation of Israel because of the famine that will come. That was nowhere in his dream. His dream was he would lead his brothers and be, be, be powerful over them. And many times we're going in a direction and we're following the dream, but the dream really is not the destiny. And when we get to the destiny, it's so much bigger. Man, I could preach this. I wish I had five more minutes. Uh, he, he's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. He's in prison, but he refuses to give up. That's what it means when it says, knock and the door will be open. I refuse to give up on the dream. Put me in jail, I refuse to give up on the dream. Speak falsely of me, I refuse to give up on the dream. Slander me, I refuse to give up on the dream. Knock me down, I'm gonna get back up. I refuse to give up on the dream. Ruth, one of the greatest women in the Bible. She lost her husband and lost everything and she moves from her homeland and she remains faithful to her mother-in-law. Wow, with a testimony there, amen? <laughs> and why? Because in that day, in that time, there was no social welfare. There was no one to look after this alien mother. So Ruth says, your God will be my God, and where you go, I'll go. Man, I love this story. And God takes them from Moab that you can see on a clear day from Bethlehem and brings them to this hillside of Judea. And there she'll be in the corner of the fields because according to the Jewish law, the corners of the field were left for the poor. And she'll be gleaning from the fields and the man who owns the field, Boaz, will see her and inquire, who is this woman? Oh, you, you don't want her. <laughs> She's living with her mother-in-law uh, they're from, they're not even from around here. Her husband died. Her brother-in-law died. Her, because that was a curse. You don't marry a woman in that situation. You'll bring that curse upon your family. But he sees her. Just like God sees us. And he says, I want you to, he begins to inquire of her, begins a relationship, begins to court her. He marries her. She'll be the great-grandmother to King David. Matthew, who writes the same, who writes what we wrote today, what we read today, will record her in the blood lineage of Jesus. Because she refused to let death and circumstance keep her to be a victim. You wanna be a victim? Go on with your bad self. You want to blame everybody else? Go on with your bad self. You want to wallow in the muck and the mire because life is hard and life isn't easy and the devil is bad and all that stuff is true or you can be someone who knocks relentlessly and that's what she does. Job loses everything. His livelihood, his children, his health. He loses everything for one simple reason because he was so devoted to God. And God preserves him and God blesses him in the end of his life, doubly greater than what he was at the beginning of his life.
I can go on and on and on. But verse 8 says, For everyone who asks, receives. And for the one who seeks, will find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Real simple. What are you asking God for today? I don't know. That's your problem. You can just, I already told you I'm getting up in your kitchen, right? You can get mad, you can go to another church. I can give you the name of the other churches you want to go to. But I'm telling you the truth. The reason why you live this low-level living that you live, the reason why you look like you've been sucking on prunes all week, the reason why you just feel like you're withered up and died is because you're not asking God for anything great, exceedingly and abundantly above all you can think or ask. I don't care what you can do or what I can do. God doesn't need me or you. It's not about my might or my power, about my strength. It's by Him. It's in Him that I live and I move and I have my being. What are you asking God for? What are you believing God for? Second question is, what are you seeking God for? What are, you, what, what are you in the pursuit of? And make sure that you're seeking God and not someone else or for something else. Man is not your answer. Listen, you're not going to sit at the table of someone who's going to all of a sudden unlock the key for you. There's not some magical some something out there. There's not some conversation that, whew. no, it's the Lord. And all God is doing is, I'm here as a good father. And if you ask me for bread, I'm not going to give you a stone. I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour a blessing upon you so great you don't have room enough to contain it. But I want you to ask me. Because you know what happens when I have to ask? I have to lower myself. I have to become vulnerable. I have to become humble. I have to lose my pride. And pride is at the core of every sin that we ever commit. And I have to say that you are and I'm not. You're supreme and I'm not. And then I seek because sometimes the answers don't come so easy because sometimes it's me and my inability to hear and to tune into the frequency. And sometimes it is the fact that God wants me to journey with him and to pursue it. What are you seeking God for today? And what door are you knocking on? You just knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. And, and listen, some of this stuff may take days, weeks, years decades it may be your lifetime but I'd encourage you today whatever it is that you're asking God for whatever it is that you're seeking God for whatever it is that you're knocking whatever door you're knocking on identify it write it down and make it make it something today that you you make a matter of prayer so here's what I want you to do I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me everyone every campus online What is it that you're asking God for? What is it that you're seeking God for? What door are you knocking on today? That thing that comes across your brain, that you just go, there's no way this is just too big, it's just too much, that's the thing I'm talking about. The thing that you, there is no way you can accomplish in and of yourself, that's what I'm talking about. The thing that feels like the, that's so insurmountable, that's what I'm talking about. The thing that the enemy says, there's no way, you've done too much, you've done, there's too much water under the bridge, that's the thing that I'm talking about. 
We serve a God of miracles. We serve a God who's yes and amen. We serve a God, Jesus says right there, these are his words. If you'll ask me, if you'll seek for it, if you'll knock, man, the door will be open. You'll find what you're looking for and you'll receive what you're asking for. If you don't, you won't. But if you do, you will. Father, I just thank you today. And I just pray, Lord, right now. Lord, you, you know the struggles that we all have. The fear that so holds us back. Oh God, I pray. In Jesus' name, help us to move beyond ourselves and beyond our fear and beyond what anyone else would think or say about us. Help us to choose today to live for the audience of one, to confess you as Lord and Savior and to live life that way. Lord, I pray God for every person that prays an audacious ask, an audacious prayer, a bold prayer, God, that you would answer. Lord, I pray for everyone, Lord, who, is, who, who has prayed that prayer and they're on this journey and they're seeking. God, that they will give them strength to their seeking and help them find their answer. Let there be a breakthrough today, God, in this moment. Holy Spirit, do a work. And those that have found the door, but it's just not opening. God, I pray, give them a relentless spirit, a limitless heart. God, to keep knocking on that door and knocking on that door and knocking on that door so that they are not going to be denied. Oh no, they're going to win. They're gonna overcome. So I pray in Jesus' name, help us, Lord, today. Stir our hearts today. Convict us, Holy Spirit, today for this low level of living, this low level of asking, this low level of seeking, this, this, this passivity of refusing to knock after we don't get what we want in a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks. But God, let us set our faces like flint. Let us run into the storm and let us do what you've called us to do. God, we lay all that we have before you today. And we pray, God, that you will fulfill your word and answer in Jesus' name. Amen.